Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I'd love to talk to you about how to reward yourself. I, I know, I know. If you're like me, I like to reward myself in ways that sabotage everything that I've just worked up to do. You know, if I've lost 20 pounds, I reward myself with that double chocolate cake, vanilla ice cream, and a mocha latte. Oh, that doesn't sound good at all. That that double deep dish pizza, right? If I saved money, then I'm going to splurge it on lottery ticket. It's like, why is my reward always... Uh, just undoing everything that I've just done. <laughs> Why do we do that? And uh, so we're going to talk about how to actually reward us. And the reason why this is so important to me, because as of today, today is July 18th, I stepped on a scale and I am 200 pounds. Now, if you've been following me for a while, uh, thank you, new listeners, for tuning in. You know that I used to weigh 246 pounds. That was me at my max. And at, during the pandemic in 2020, I was at 226. And now I weigh what I weighed in high school. That's right. I was 200 pounds in high school. And then I had to start gaining weight to play football at the college level. So I put on 30 pounds in one summer so I could play defensive tackle at Ball State and then just kept gaining the weight and got up to 246. And I'm just now at the age of 47. That's right. It only took Leo Flowers. It only took (laughs) 20-something years to get back to where I was in high school. Now, mind you, that wasn't the goal. The goal was not to get down to 200 pounds. It was actually to, at first it was just to decrease my body fat, and then it was uh, to get off the sugar. I recognized that how much sugar has just been wreaking havoc on my mental and physical health from inflammation to mood swings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then it was about eating my body weight and protein. So that's where I'm at now in my eating journey of like eating my body weight and protein so that I can build muscle and strength as, you know, I'm working out in the gym because I love working out. I love, I love to be active. It's not so much, I'm not one of those gym heads who are like, look at how much I can bench press and all that stuff. I just love being active, whether it's working out in the gym or raking the leaves or washing the car or, you know, helping people move. Like I just, I want to move my body. My body was designed for motion, for action. And, but I also recognize that I had to, if, you know, it's like you could work out as much as you want, but if what you're putting in your body is not fueling it, that's why like I was always surprised when I see, overweight construction workers you know i'm like these people are working all day or uh you know housekeepers and and people who are super active 
Like I, I didn't understand when I was younger how they could have so much activity in their day and, you know, still, you know, be not, not just about the weight, but just kind of, I, I thought that they would be in great shape, you know, they'd be shredded just from, you know, carrying lumber and walking around and tool belts and carrying all the stuff. And, um, and what you find is they have a lot of injuries um, and, and, and really struggle with getting around as they get older. So that's when I recognized the importance of food and really getting my weight under control. It, you know, plus I have a torn meniscus in the right knee and just wanting to keep that weight down off the joints as I, I, as I get older. So now I'm at 200 pounds, and I was talking to my therapist this morning about it. And I was like, yeah, I was 226 and 200. And she was like, hold on. Take a second. Let that sink in. It's a milestone. Don't just gloss over that. Because it's not just about the 200 pounds. It's about the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting to 200 pounds. And I was like, you're right. She was like, yeah, take some time today to, to go over that. Because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it, it wasn't an overnight thing. This isn't something that I did in three, in three months. You know, there's a lot of people taking, like, the Ozempic and the Manjaro and all these different uh, weight loss pills, and they're losing, like, 10 pounds in a month. 20 pounds, 30 pounds, and they're losing it quickly. And I don't know how sustainable that is. Because then what happens when you get to your goal weight? What, what will you do then? That has to be a scary moment because you haven't built the foundation of good habits that you can carry with you for the next 3, 5, 10, 20, 30 years. And the same might be said for me eating my body weight and protein that, you know, that might not be sustainable uh, for the long haul. But I do believe a diet of protein, fat, fiber, at least for now, it works for me. And then we'll calibrate it as, as we go along. But, but, the, but I feel grounded in the foundation I've laid down. I'm, I'm, I'm forming new neural patterns. I'm, I'm teaching myself that I don't need sugar or caffeine for for fuel or energy I, I need sleep i need quality sleep and i need to be hydrated and you know i need to make sure that i'm you know creating a lifestyle that keeps my stress levels low and and having you know meaningful relationships like all these things that feed me and give me energy and that also don't deplete my energy deleting those things that deplete my energy versus always just seeking out energy sources. So going back to the how do I reward myself, um, I was like, I don't really know how to do that. I don't really know how to reward myself without food, drugs, sex, alcohol. I mean, I, I, because I, I, that's what I've always done. And that's what we see a lot in the news and media, TV. People go, man, I had a long day. And then they clank, you know, uh, um, 
uh, beer bottles or, or wine glasses or they, they light up a, a thing. And we don't see people rewarding themselves in very healthy ways. You know, the one healthy way I saw somebody coping with their emotions was in White Lotus, a show on, I think it's Hulu or FX. And the, the guy was upset. He got into an argument with his wife and he goes, you know what, I'm going to go for a swim. And I was like, wow, what a healthy coping mechanism, right? You, you're not going to go for a drink. You're not, you're not going to yell or fight. You just recognize this conversation is uncomfortable. It's too much for you to handle. The cortisol levels are too high. I'm going for it, so I'm going to channel that energy in a very healthy way. And that stuck in my brain. I was like, that is a, a, a beautiful coping mechanism. But going back to this, how do I reward myself? I was like, how do I do it? And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I look at different websites. And, you know, some of them will say, give yourself a manicure. Take a nap. Read a book. Have a movie marathon. Listen to your favorite music. Play with pets. Visit a free museum. Listen to a podcast. Go for a walk or a bike ride or a drive. Watch a video or tutorial to learn something new. Sit and people watch. And all those are wonderful. And, you know, depending on what you're celebrating, what milestone you've reached, those might resonate for you. They might connect for you. And as I'm talking to my therapist about how I would reward myself, I go, you know, maybe I'll buy myself a book, <laughs> which I do all the time anyway. And, and she said, she took, a, you know, she took a beat and she said, well, you know, I heard you say earlier, Leo, that you really love, uh, you know, being, spending time with other people. So where's the social aspect in you rewarding yourself? And that, that really slowed me down. That really connected with me. Because, you know, when we are celebrating something, we don't want to celebrate it alone. Like, it, it, it's not going to build those neural networks and connections and release the endorphins and dopamine and, and all those feel-good chemicals that keep us on the path that we're on. If I buy a book, that's that's cool. Um, if I buy, uh, you know, maybe a pair of shoes, that's nice. But but I would also there also for me at least, I do I would love a social aspect, uh, an like a social acknowledgement of like, wow man, look at this thing that you did. And so how do I create that for myself? And at 47, I'm realizing that's exactly what I have to do. I have to create an environment to, for people to have the opportunity to acknowledge me instead of the way I've been living my life is just hoping people would acknowledge me, that they would see my effort, they would pat me on the back, that they'd be like, oh, good job. That's, that's awesome. I see what you're doing without me having to say anything. And I realize now, no, I have to, I have to celebrate myself and, and be intentional and say, hey, I'm throwing a get-together, uh, a game night at the house. Come through, 
was celebrating my 200 pounds, getting down on my high school weight. And you know what? We could even, as I'm saying this now, we could make it about dressing up as, as you did in high school, like whatever your, your high school uh, you know, gear was, whatever your style was, and then I could bring in a DJ. It could be a whole thing. I love it. As I'm saying, I would make it a theme, right? So as, as I was thinking about that, I was like, all right, that would be awesome. And then my fear kicked in. My fear said, what if I invite people and no one shows up? Because I, I remember that. I had, oh, my God, I, I'm just I'm remembering this as I'm sharing this with you. And I can feel my, my eyes want to tear up. In high school, was it high school? No, middle school. I remember I, my mom wanted to throw me a surprise party. And she thought like all these people from my school were going to show up. And three people showed up. In my head, I want to say only three people. But it was my three good friends. Josh Walsh, Stephen Cook, and Samret Gabriel Hewitt. They showed up for my middle school birthday party. And I remember feeling grateful that my mom took the time to throw this surprise party for me. Um, and she asked Samret, you know, to invite who she think would come. And But I also remember feeling heartbroken that there were only three people there. And and I think, and I've tried, I remember trying again in, in college to like throw a party and have people, and some people came through, but I, I really had to break the bank to, I overextended myself to get people to come over. Um, so I think from that, I just kind of stopped putting in effort of inviting people into my life, into my world, into my my stuff. And I was just like, I'm just not that guy. Especially because I was always surrounded by people who were. And not to, you know, I'm not, this is not a, a pity party for Leo Flowers. What I've learned to do is, and what I've accepted is, I'm not really a party person. Nobody is really like, we gotta have Leo at the party. I, I know I'm not. I'm because I'm because I'm I'm showing up late and I'm leaving early. I'm not. Well, I might show up early and leave early. Actually, that's. <laughs> I'm not the life of the party. Um, I'm somebody who you, you know you you wouldn't mind having at the party, but I'm not the party. I'm not like oh Leo's in the building. Let the party get started. Not that guy at all. Right. Well, I wouldn't say not at all, but uh, uh, overall, there's some people who are complete party people, and then there are some people who are party people, and in, in, you know, contextually, I'm, I'm more contextually. Um, but what I've learned to do is surround myself with people who do have a strong social network. You know, my my girlfriend Michelle, I I know for sure. If Michelle says, hey, we're doing this thing, blah, 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 people are going to show up. 
people gonna because people love Michelle. Michelle attracts people. People want to be around her. Uh, they want to show up for her. Uh, they want to support her and and all those things and party with her. And, she, and it's so funny because she's not um, she's not a fun person, but she's a funny person. If if you know those people, they're not fun, but they're funny. Um, but but she attracts people, and she knows how to how to get people to to show up. And so I've I've always had my boy Lloyd Brown, my high school, my college roommate. Same thing. Like if he was like, yo, we're throwing a party this Friday, boom, everybody shows up. If I said we're throwing a party, and is that the same location? No one would show <laughs> maybe three people. <laughs> so it's smart to know, you know, who you are and and what works for you. So it's is not I don't have to be the star. People don't have to show up. But I know that I know that I have to and this is why it takes a village, right? It doesn't take just take a village to to raise children. It takes a village for us to have our needs filled, right? Because it can't all be from one person. So let's get into the specifics, right, of why we should not. <laughs> why, first of all, let's talk about why uh, it's so ridiculous and, and, and kind of tricky to reward yourself, right? It's very tricky because one common form of reward is the attainment of a goal, and that reward marks a finish line, and the finish line marks a stopping point. So once we stop, we must start over, and starting over is harder than starting. So that's when we set a goal and then we reward ourselves for that goal, we're, we're kind of you know telling ourselves uh, we're done. You know, this is coming out of like Ink Magazine, right? Gretchen Rubin uh, talks about this, um, the, the, the perils of goal rewarding, right? Um, the more dramatic, she says, the more dramatic the goal, the more decisive the end and the more effort required to start over. By providing a specific goal, a temporary motivation and requiring a new start once reached, hitting a finish line may interfere with habit formation. Running the marathon, quitting sugar for Lent, doing a 30-day yoga challenge. Once the goal has been met and we feel the reward of hitting that finish line, the behavior tends to end. So, you know, people doing these 30-day challenges, 60-day challenges, yada, yada challenges, um, our brain goes, okay, we're done. We're done performing. We're done doing the thing. And, and then we kind of collapse. So, like, when you watch those marathon runners, you'll notice a lot of them, they can run the 26.4 miles, and then, boom, what happens once they cross the finish line? They collapse. They fall into somebody's arms. They had enough to get to that 26.4, and then, boom, right? Same thing happens with us when we go, well, I'm going to do that 30-day yoga challenge or that, you know, uh, you know, two weeks to a better whatever, once we hit it, boom, we stop. And then to ask you to to do it again the next day, I mean, a lot of people who run marathons are not running a marathon the following day. They're usually taking months off. <laughs> usually people run one marathon a year, actually. So think about that, right? Think about all the energy that's put into that. Um, 
And so the other peril of, of rewarding ourselves for achieving a goal is a reward requires a decision, right? You have to ask yourself, like, do I deserve this reward? Habits are freeing and energizing because they get us out of the draining, difficult business of using decision-making and self-control. We don't reward ourselves for brushing our teeth, so we don't have to ask, have I brushed my teeth long enough to deserve my reward? We just do it. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's so it's so true, right? Um, if Because when my therapist was like, well, how are you going to reward yourself? I immediately felt frozen. I was like, reward myself? What? Like this, it feels um, so heavy. It was like such a burden to reward myself. So I have to think, I have to think about that. Like I have, I have so many other things on my plate. I don't, that's not the thing I want to think about right now. But it's true if I don't have these uh, celebratory moments and we'll get to, how to celebrate and reward yourself in a very healthy way in a moment, um, then I'm not going to maintain the habit. Uh, the third reason that uh, rewarding ourselves can be perilous or self-sabotaging is it permits an opt-out, right? Basically, if I forego the reward, I don't have to do this activity. So it, you, you're like, oh, well, if I don't reward myself, uh, with the cake, then I also don't have to keep working out. I can just let it all go. I don't have to do anything. So, you know, having a reward, if it's not the right reward, I know you guys are like, how do we reward ourselves? I get to that. I'll get to that. Um, then, then we opt out the whole thing. We just, you know, it's that black and white thinking. Okay, if I don't get the cake, well, huh? it's almost like, well, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not showing up to work kind of deal. Yeah, it's almost like a, a payment system, and, and, and that's not a way to keep you going. Um, and then the last you know, two things that Gretchen Rubin talks about in this Inc. Uh, uh, article is when we reward ourselves, it teaches us that we do this activity only if a reward is offered. So that goes back to I'm only going to do this if I'm getting paid, right, uh, which isn't cool. And then the last thing is a reward makes us associate a behavior with suffering or imposition. Why else would we need the reward? One person exercises in order to earn points at work to get swag. Another person exercises without that reason. Who do you suppose is more likely to be exercising a year from now? Ooh, great point, right? Um, but I will say this about suffering. I've learned that anything that you're not anything that you're doing, but if we're talking about working out and exercising, it requires three parts. And I talked about this yesterday, I think, where it's you got to work hard and there will be suffering a little bit, right? If you're running a, a marathon, there's going to be suffering in that. And then things click and then it all comes together. And, and then, it, but then that, that, that dance starts all over. The work hard, suffering a little bit, and then clicks where you're like, oh, man. It's almost like catching your second wind, right? Where you'll catch that second wind in life, in the process of what you're doing. Or there's some days where, like, I'm reading, like, when you're reading something and you don't understand it. Like, I'm reading War and Peace right now. And then it, but when I 
sit with it long enough, after a while, it all starts to make sense. I'm like, oh, I get it now. And then I keep going. I'm like, oh, my God, what the heck am I reading? I have no idea what I'm reading. And then there's more suffering of like, this is like, it's too much French. There's a lot of French in War and Peace. And then it all starts to click. And I go, okay, I get it again. And so it beca- like life is like that. Relationships are like that where it's hard work, a little bit of suffering, right? Taking out the trash, doing the dishes, boring, not seeing enough of each other, seeing too much of each other. And then there are these moments where you're like, you're, you couldn't be happier with anybody else. You're just so grateful that you stuck it out through the hard work and the suffering a little bit. But that window is, is, is so tiny. It's so tiny. All right, so how do we reward ourselves? The one kind of reward that does work, according to Gretchen Rubin, and I love this, is a reward that takes you deeper into the habit. Like if you do lots of yoga, splurge on a new yoga mat. If you bring your lunch to work every day, buy that expensive set of great knives. One company had a smart policy. Any employee who exercised at least 75 times in one year in the company gym was rewarded with the next year's gym membership free. The reward for exercise was more exercise. For these reasons, rewarding an activity may make us less likely, not more likely, to form a habit. I love that. And so I think for myself, because I got down to 206, what I'm going to do is, because I love to cook, and I've been looking at knives. I think Leo Flowers is going to get himself a real set of knives. But before I do that, I do want to learn how to sharpen. I want to really learn how to take care of my knives because I feel like I have like I have knife, I have the knife sharpener and the knife uh, straightener. I forget what they call it, and I. I don't want to get nice knives if I don't know how to take care of them. Like I have wooden uh, cooking boards, and I know how to take care of those. But, like, if I get a nice set of knives, ooh. Oh, yeah, well, you could roll it out like a real chef. Ooh, la, la. I'm, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. So I think I'm going to do that. Michelle suggested running shoes. She thinks my... I think women are just in the shoes. So she's like, why don't you get new shoes? They, she just wants me to get new shoes. Or she wants, to go, she wants to go shopping with me to get new shoes so she can get her some new shoes, you know. Um, and I think we're going to throw a little party. We're going to, you know, we're going to have some people over. And, you know, so for, for if you're listening, ask yourself, like, how have you been rewarding yourself and and is it deepening your habit right is it encouraging you to continue on the path or is it sabotaging your habit is it is it pulling you away from and how can you reward yourself in a way that feeds and nourishes and continues and helps you to continue on that path Let's take a big inhale and exhale through the mouth. (sighs) 
please take seven seconds to share this episode with one other person. If you found value in this, what with one other person so that you two can have a conversation about how you reward yourselves, how you want to reward yourselves. And, and when you have that conversation, then you have a deeper connection and through that deeper connection, we have community. I want to, well, I'll do this in the next episode. I got an email. I'm going to start reading off emails in the episodes. But uh, but thank you for tuning in to the episode. Uh, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going or calling the 988 or any of the other suicide prevention hotline numbers that are in each and every single one of the show notes. No matter where you are in the world, you can chat call text it don't matter it don't matter if you in philadelphia portland denver new york la san fran if you in new zealand the philippines australia canada the uk the us wherever you are in the world there is a hotline for you you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly Let's get to tomorrow together.